Welcome, church family, friends of Redeemer, visitors. I'm Pete. I get to serve as pastor of community life here and also an elder. Hope you're doing well. For those who are Christians, I hope that you sense, even as you hear this message this morning, that God is for you uh, in Christ. And for those who are exploring who Jesus is and what the Bible is all about and what Christianity is about, I hope that by God's grace, um, you see who Jesus is and you see your need for him and come to trust in him. If you are new, newer to Redeemer, um, really easy way to connect with us is really just sending us an email. You can send an email to info at redeemernw, as in northwest.org. Um, whatever questions you might have, if you're interested in next steps, we're happy to help. Along those lines, we have an announcement to make. Mentioned it uh, briefly last week. We are announcing this new thing called meetups. Something that's super important to us as a church is meaningful biblical community and how can we help uh, people have meaningful biblical community and meetups really are an easy way or an easy way to onboard into community here at Redeemer. Really, they're just a great way to make friends doing things that you love to do. So anyone can host a meetup in our church. You can go to our website, redeemernw.org, go to the events page. It says events and meetups. Click that and you'll already see a couple different meetups that people from within our church have, um, have, have publicized and they are off and running. There's one, uh, a couple from our church or a family from our church, they're hosting a walk on the mud flats down at Little Squalicum uh, in a couple Saturdays. Another person is doing a mountain biking meetup. Um, I'm hearing of moms in our church thinking about doing a meetup at the park and having the kids play, that sort of thing. So tons of different opportunities, really endless opportunities uh, to do meetups, go to our website. You can see some that already exist, or you could start to host one yourself by clicking the host a meetup button. All right, let's take a moment and pray together. Lord, I pray for your Bible uh, to be loud as we open it here. That as we come to it, we would recognize and love the fact that it is a book unlike any other book. So as we come to it, God, will, will we come, um, come to it not like it's a, a textbook or like we're scrolling through a Twitter feed or like it's a book of tips that we can take or leave, but we would come to it as it truly is, Father, as, as your authoritative word that is from you, that is for us, that is um, meant to glorify you and meant to help us flourish, God. So give us eagerness to, to hear it, attentiveness as we listen to it, God, a joyful submission to your beautiful word. We thank you that you've preserved it in your goodness and in your kindness toward us. We pray that, Holy Spirit, you would do what you're super good at doing and that you would show us who Jesus is, that you would shine the spotlight so clearly on him as we open your word. Impress us with Jesus, refresh us in the gospel, challenge us, God, where we need challenging, encourage us where we need encouragement. You know just what we need, and you love to meet those needs, and you love to show yourself off. We thank you for those two realities, and we pray that both those things would happen here. In Jesus' name, amen. About six years ago or so, uh, I was thinking about proposing to my then-girlfriend, uh, spoiler alert, now current wife. 
As I was thinking about doing that, a couple things happened. Number one, my dad took me out to dinner. He took me out and to a little spot down in Fairhaven, and we talked about life and dating and marriage. And after, I don't know, two hours or so of a good meal and a good time together, the message from my dad was super clear. It was, I think you should marry her. <laughs> a couple days later, maybe a week later or so, I went up and I hiked Oyster Dome. Many of you probably are familiar at least or maybe have hiked Oyster Dome. I decided to, to block out a half day or so to get up in the woods with God and just really present, not present to him, but just, just, just think about God. Do you want me to marry Rachel. Obviously, it's a big deal. So I hiked up the mountain alone, just by myself, me and God, um, praying out loud, connecting with him, listening to him, asking questions, pondering, thinking, dreaming. Got to the, the top, uh, the, the little overlook there on Oyster Dome. Got out a journal, started journaling and writing some prayers to God, all about, God, do you want me to marry Rachel? By God's grace, got back to the car, and I think his message was clear after my little half-day excursion that God, um, didn't hear an audible voice by any means, but just I felt God's spirit affirming in me this sense of, man, you should marry her. Fast forward, and next I do what many men probably have done is I gone ring shopping. And I didn't really know what I was doing. One of my buddies from softball recommended go down to Bayside Jeweler. There's a guy there who, co- who will be able to hook you up with a ring. So I do that. I walk into the, the, jeweler, or the jewelry shop and uh, start looking through different rings. And I get one that I like, um, that I think my future wife might like, and I bring it up to the clerk, and he takes it from me, and he kind of does this. He holds it up to the light, and ever so slightly just begins to shift it a little bit, as if to examine it, and to affirm its legitimacy, and to enjoy, really, its beauty. I ended up buying that ring, and a little bit later, June 16, 2016, I asked my now wife, will you marry me? And she said, yeah. Um... What we're going to do here right now is take a biblical principle and kind of hold it up to the light. Almost like that jeweler was doing, holding up this ring to the light. And we're going to hold up this biblical principle to the light and ever so slightly, not changing by any means the biblical principle, but changing the angle at which we look at the biblical principle, examining it affirming its legitimacy and enjoying its beauty. The biblical principle that we're going to look at is this idea of the body of Christ. It's really a timely topic in our sermon series that we've been in for three weeks now. This is week three called Analog Church, coming from Pastor J. Kim's book, Analog Church. Um, And for us, really, in in the midst, smack dab, really, in the midst of... um, an age that is dominated by the digital. And for us, kind of emerging from post-quarantine world due to COVID-19, knocking off some of the COVID cobwebs, we have the opportunity to kind of relearn or refigure out what it looks like to be who God built us to be, this, this beautiful thing called the body of Christ. 
After I proposed to my wife and she said yes, a couple months later we got married. A couple uh, years then after that, we went on a trip to Hawaii with my in-laws and we went to uh, Kauai. Kauai, if you're not familiar with, is known as the Garden Island. And we did um, something that I'll remember really for probably forever um, until I can't remember stuff anymore. But we went on a helicopter trip, hour-long helicopter trip, guided tour. There was me and my wife and uh, just a handful of others, maybe six people tops. Um, And we started just touring, flying over, hovering over different scenic things in Kauai, this garden island. We saw waterfalls in Poipu. We saw the cathedral mountains on the Nepali coast. We saw the Waimea Canyon, and we saw world-famous beaches and those little beaches that are not world-famous, but only the locals know about, but they don't tell you about. We saw those beaches. We saw serene countrysides. We saw the jungles that Jurassic Park was filmed in, and it was awesome. We didn't spend a ton of time at any given spot, but instead we got a glimpse of a variety of different spots enjoying its beauty. And similarly so, what we're going to do right now as we open the Word is we're not going to spend a ton of time in a particular text, which will, I think, probably feel, for most of us, a bit different than usual. And we're not honing in on a particular text, but instead, in order to kind of hold up this biblical principle to the light and examine its legitimacy and affirm its legitimacy and to enjoy its beauty, we're going to do a flyover, per se, of a handful of different texts. So, introducing the principle, this idea of the body of Christ. For some of you, this will be brand new. You're not sure where I'm going with this. For others of you, this will be review, and I pray for all of us that as we hold up this biblical principle to the light, we'll see its legitimacy and be inspired to engage in its beauty because it's awesome. One thing, just by way of note, before opening the word, is the body of Christ is one of the Bible's key metaphors for helping us understand the church, to understand the church and to be the church. So just know that when the Bible talks about the body of Christ, it is talking about the church. One tip I'll give before we hop in is is really this. Take what you can get. (laughs) We're going to read a section of scripture here that's uh, definitely a chunk of verses. And I think a couple years ago, as we're, we're, we'll flip here to 1 Corinthians 12 in a a moment, um, a handful of years ago, I think we took five or six different sermons to preach through the text that I'm going to read through here. And that won't be the only text that we're going to look at here right now. We're also going to look at a couple other texts. So my tip is to take what you can get. All right. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through verse 20. This is the word of God, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and he says this. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of, varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, 
the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. Again, like a jeweler holding up a diamond to the light, examining its legitimacy. We're now going to look at another text, Romans chapter 12. Look at the same biblical principle from another angle. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, says this. For as in one body, you hear that same language, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. It's a great quote from a guy named John Bloom from Desiring God, and he summarizes it well this way. He says, the description of the church as a body is more than simply an analogy. It is the revealing, he says, of a mystery. The church isn't a mere organization. It really is an organism. Christ's body is alive, and like a human body, it is an incarnation of unity in diversity. As in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. That's what we just read, Romans 12, 4 through 5. Bloom goes on, he says, to grasp this reality, the church as a living body, is to see a beautiful balance between the crucial importance of, listen to this, the collective and the crucial importance of the individual. The crucial importance of the collective and the crucial importance of the individual. Both, he says, are indispensable. The church is one body. What does that mean? A body is a singular unit created by God to do certain things. 
The individual members on their own cannot fulfill all the purposes for which the body was created. Those members of the church must function together as a collective whole in order for the body to do all that it was created to do. But the church is also many members. There is no collective whole or body without its countless crucial individual members. Listen to this. God's design of the body of Christ, like a human body, is a large-scale interdependency of diverse members functioning in complementary roles to make it possible for the body to function. This is simply and complexly glorious, he says. In this spiritual anatomical design, God bestows profound dignity and honor upon both the collective whole, the entire church, and the individual members, each individual member, in fact. Read one more text, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, again, by way of holding up this biblical principle to the light and examining it. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up, listen to this, the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. A key verse here gives us some insight. It says that we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. I want you to imagine with me. Imagine Jesus' body on the cross. Beaten, bruised, broken, eventually left breathless and lifeless, buried. And three days later, raised from the dead. And you and I and anyone who will believe in Christ through belief in Jesus' physical body broken on the cross and blood spilled on the cross, you and I and anyone who would believe in him can be or are saved. Jesus taking the punishment you deserve, you getting Jesus' righteousness, and it all happens, the Bible says, through belief. And here's the thing, when you believe, You are brought into a new body and the the metaphor that the Bible, one of the metaphors that the Bible consistently uses for a believer is when you believe in Christ, you are brought into the body of Christ, aka the church. A couple things by way of definition. Um, 
number one, uh, there's this thing called the universal church. This is a bit technical, but I think it'll help. Universal church, this is anyone ever who has believed in Christ, dead or alive. The universal church of which Jesus is head. Another definition, the local church. The local church is something like Redeemer Church, a unique expression of Jesus's body, the body of Redeemer Church, a unique expression of the church in Whatcom County, Whatcom County 2021. One difference between uh, the universal church and the local church is the universal church is only made up of Christians. The local church is a bit different. There are definitely Christians in the local church, but there are also non-Christians, and that's a beautiful thing. Non-Christians who are, who are um, um, involved in the body here at Redeemer, trying to figure out who is this Jesus guy, and am I going to believe in him? The reason that I say that is because when the Bible uses body of Christ, like we've seen in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12 and in Ephesians 4, it is talking about someone writing to a particular unique expression of a local church body. So for us, as we have held up this biblical principle of the body of Christ. And as we move into some application, like what, what do we do with this? Let's remember that we are one body. Here's the principle, one body, many parts. Each part, when functioning properly, we build the church up for the common good. We've seen that it's hopefully biblical from reading these texts, that it's beautiful and now I want to talk about, okay, what, what does the body of Christ look like with boots on the ground? In other words, how do we apply this? <laughs> Let me ask this question. Have you ever seen a rhino fly? <laughs> the reason that you and I have not seen a rhino fly is because God didn't design a rhino to fly. That's not what it's made for. Think about this. An actor acts. A teacher teaches. A dancer dances. An athlete engages in athletics, and so it is with a Christian. A Christian engages in the body of Christ. What I'm getting at here is that identity precedes activity, or that activity flows from your identity. Who you are, who I am, influences what we then do. So the reality, brother or sister in Christ, is that if you are in Christ, then you, then that identity of being in Christ automatically invites you into this beautiful reality of engaging in the body of Christ. Megan Hill says this, she says, belonging to the church is one of the greatest privileges and highest joys of the Christian's life. She goes on and she says, as we walk in love for the local church, our love models the love of God himself. There was nothing lovely in us that caused God to love us. And so we don't wait for God's people to seem attractive in order to love them. If God in his sovereign good pleasure has set his love on these people from eternity past, uniting them to his son and gathering them into his church, then it is our privilege 
to love them too. And church, one of the ways we get to love each other is by serving one another as part of the body of Christ. That is so often what the Bible holds up as it talks about the body of Christ, these complementary individuals, people like you, people like me, needing one another's gifts and passions and experience for the good and for the building up of the body. But I know if you're anything like me, sometimes you might be feeling like, man, I might not have much to offer. John Bloom says this, I love this. He says, we cannot trust our self-assessment when we think ourselves unimportant. Isn't that awesome? He says, I'll say it again. We cannot trust our self-assessment when we think ourselves unimportant. He goes on and he says, and we cannot trust our assessment when we think anyone else unimportant. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. The biblical principle of the body of Christ is no doubt beautiful. I hope and pray that we've seen that thus far. But unfortunately, sometimes what what, what can happen is a business principle actually begins to creep into the body of Christ, this principle called the Pareto Principle. If you're familiar with it, um, it's this idea that uh, 20% of the people do 80% of the stuff. And sometimes this business principle can creep into the biblical principle of the body of Christ. I want to um, share with you a quote from a medical doctor uh, by the name of Paul Brand, a guy who loves Jesus, a guy who's studied the human body for a long time, and a guy who has drawn some parallels between his study of the human body and the body of Christ. Listen to his insight. He says this, he says, I sometimes think of the human body as a community and then of its individual cells such as the white cell. The cell is the basic unit of an organism. It can live for itself or it can help form and sustain the larger organism. It can be part of the body as a loyalist or it can cling to its own life. Some cells do choose to live in the body, sharing its benefits while maintaining complete independence. What happens then is they become parasites or cancer cells. What Dr. Brand is saying is he's saying that cells are created. They they work for the good of the body. But when a cell in a human body begins to act selfishly, it becomes cancerous. I want to just say that to us as a bit of a beware of this sort of thing. Key conviction that we have as a church is that everyone has something to offer. And I hope as, as, as we've held up this biblical principle of the body of Christ and we've seen things like this, like, 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 like every part is necessary, indispensable, valuable. I hope, I hope you've heard those things, needed. 
So we have this conviction. Everyone has something to offer. I know a learn for, for us recently as pastoral staff and as, um, as pastors and staff is that, we, we, man, we want to get better at doing the stuff that Ephesians 4 says, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We want to get better at that. I want to do this. Ask a couple actionable questions. It's really just a, a, a practical way forward. Number one, what body are you a part of? What body are you a part of? In other words, what church are you a part of? There's tons of people who are, in some sense, part of our church. One of the, the best ways that we identify who is family in our church is membership. There's people, many of you maybe even listening here, who, who, who maybe aren't members but feel like family. That's awesome. In so many ways, we would encourage you to take the step of, of membership. That's really how we identify family. So what body are you a part of? Secondly, what body part are you? In other words, what role has God uniquely given you for the good of his church? I love when people in our church ask the question, how can I serve? I want to help. How can I serve? Where can I be used? It's a beautiful Christ-like posture. Um, and there's no doubt a reality that, um, uh, kind of a practical reality that there are um, volunteer slots that need to be filled. There's a practical reality there, but something that we care about even more is this biblical reality of men, women, kids coming alongside to unearth and to identify God-given gifts and to mobilize them for their good and for the good of the church. So a question that we love to ask as a church and you can ask of yourself and you can ask of one another is this, how has God wired you? for the good of your church during this season of your life. I love those three different components. How has God wired you? It takes into account God's good design, unique design of you individually. How has God wired you? How has he made you? How has he built you? How has God wired you for the good of your church? As we've held up this biblical principle of the body of Christ, each part working together for the common good, and takes into account in this season of your life. <laughs> However capacity you have. Taking into account things of that nature. How has God wired you for the good of your church during this season of your life? I'll ask a couple more questions that you could ask yourself or you could ask others to, to give you insight and respond um, in light of you. You could ask this question, what are you gifted in? <laughs> what are you gifted in? talking about spiritual gifts that God bestows on people. What are you gifted in? What are you passionate about? Real simply, like, what, what do you like? What gets you going? What do you have experience in? What have you done in the past? I love this. Um, I heard this earlier, um, earlier this week is that, that Dane, our family life director, of which many of you probably know, um, is thinking about uh, continuing to, how can we enhance our, our kids' curriculum for Redeemer Kids? And what he did is he reached out to teachers in our church <laughs> 
who are teachers by vocation, by profession, and ask them to, to, to help speak into curriculum that we as a church are teaching our kids. Why? Because they have experience in doing it. There's so many different examples I could use of individuals in our church, indispensable parts of the body of Christ, serving the body of Christ for the common good. There's people in our church who love college students, non-college students who are in their 40s, 50s, who love college students and invest in college students and have college students over to their homes. There's a family in our church who had college students who are from out of town, like from down south, Seattle, Olympia area, but this last week, a couple days ago, actually had them up and rallied some friends of theirs on Lake Whatcom and said, hey, will you host a, a, a get-together for some of the college students in our church on your lake property? And that happened, and one of the families in our church bought a bunch of food and served them and invited people um, from the church. I got to go for an hour or so, and there was a handful of college students there. And what was beautiful is afterwards, I was texting um, the lady who hosted this, and she was sending me some pictures of the college students. It was this awesome thing. I responded, I think, something along the lines of, man, it's so awesome to see the body of Christ being the body of Christ. There's people in our church who are really good at connecting really good at connecting with one another, really good at connecting this person with that person. People in our church who see someone who's alone and that becomes like an emergency to them and they go and talk to them and try to do it in a way that's not weird but is loving and Christ-like. There's people in our church, um, there's a woman in our church actually who, who got connected to the church and I think the following Sunday she was checking people in at the registration at the hotel. Members who've been around for six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years and this woman who just got connected to our church is checking them in at registration. Beautiful, just, just, just demonstration. Man, I, w- I want to be in. I want to serve. How can I help? There's, people in, there's a member in our church who said, man, a member directory would be super helpful so members can connect with each other and we know who the members are and that sort of thing. So she is taking that project and she is running with it. A beautiful display of the body of Christ in action. I talked to a lady in our church maybe a month or so ago who was serving and Redeemer kids, I think in the nursery specifically, and, uh, and I was talking to her after the service and just gotta affirm her, um, because what she did is she made it so that a family who had been away from the church for a while would feel comfortable in showing up at the hotel and dropping their kid off um, with her at Redeemer Kids so that the parents then could go listen to a sermon for an hour and hopefully be refreshed by the gospel. And what a beautiful thing that is for this woman to serve the kids in our church in that way. The backyard barbecue that was happening a couple of months ago and there's a family in our church that is really invested in Cambodia and doing gospel work there and a, a need arose. Um, I, I think one, one, of the, one of the people got a text message during this backyard barbecue and we just began to pray for this need. And as a follow-up, after praying for maybe 10, 15 minutes or so as a group of, of 12 people or so, um, Someone asked afterwards, How, is there anything else we can do? And, and they're like, yes, you can give. <laughs> so I think four or five or so different people or families have begun to give so that people in Cambodia can have rice and food to just live. This is an example 
of the body of Christ in action. Saw two guys serving um, and flipping burgers the other day at the barbecue. And their wives probably must have said, hey, thumbs up, you can serve um, burgers and flip burgers at the barbecue so that other people can come and enjoy. Example of the body of Christ. There's people in our church on staff at the Lighthouse Mission or on, on the board there or volunteering there, serving people at the Lighthouse Mission. There's people who just want to be greeters because they say, man, I, 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 I want to welcome other people in. And I know first impressions matter and I want them to feel like they have a home here. People who open up their homes and make meals. There's a woman who came up to me at the barbecue, a young adult lady who said, I want to serve middle school and high school. And she just initiated that and said, hey, I would love to serve those kids. There's families in our church who are serving families at Alderwood Elementary. There's a person in our church, a, a lady who has been considering being a gospel community leader. And as I was having a conversation with her, I just said, why don't you ask some people who love you and love Jesus what they think? (laughs) And as she's done that, she's got affirmations from them and she's taking next steps toward becoming a gospel community leader. Church, I just wanna throw out a laundry list of examples. People like you, people like me, normal people using their gifts for the good of the church. Darren Carlson says this, he says, what's the personal effect when you serve the body of Christ according to your gifts? Contentment, joy, peace. (laughs) It feels so good to be who God made us to be for the body of Christ. So here's what we've done. So we've held up this biblical principle to the light, like a, like a jeweler holding up a diamond, examining it and enjoying its beauty. And we've seen, hopefully by God's grace, that this principle of the body of Christ is, it's biblical. That it's beautiful. And hopefully an invitation for us to continue to be who God has built us to be. The body of Christ and individually members of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, your word. God, that it is powerful, that it is authoritative, that it is beautiful, that it is necessary. Holy Spirit, would would you stir in us? um, Would you stir in us appropriate application, God? God, we we don't want to be just hearers of the word, but doers also. We don't want to simply hear information or hear stuff or or download data. God, we want to be transformed for your glory, for the good of our church, for the good of our city, God, for the good of our families, for the good of those in our city who don't know you. Holy Spirit, we're asking you to do what we can't. God, show us what it looks like to continue to be the body of Christ that we were built to be. Thank you, God, for the ways that that is so so clear and so evident already in our church. And God, we pray for more, for your glory, for our joy. It's in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna receive communion as we do now.
This really is the, the, the pinnacle of every service we've ever had. <laughs> Pin, uh, and really, it's just a reminder um, of the gospel, a reminder that um, Jesus on the cross, his body was broken, his blood was spilled in the place of anyone who would trust in him. So feel free as you're at home to take those elements if you have them, bread and juice, Take the bread, dip it in the juice, remind yourself, retell yourself of the good news of the gospel. And let's worship together.